I'm Hannah Warmer and welcome to season three of The Rosin Diaries, where I'll be discussing everything violin and film composing related and everything in between with a variety of guests. Welcome to episode 8, season 3 of the Rosin Diary podcast. So today's episode is, in retrospect, did the pandemic give musicians the power to control their own narrative? And we're going to talk about that in depth in a second. So guys, I'm talking in retrospect because obviously I'm living in retrospect. We've been through the pandemic, we're still in the pandemic, but we've been in it a while now. But I'm going to talk in retrospect of the presumptions, assumptions and expectations we have as artists, as people who don't know much about the industry. What is pushed on artists by the industry or outsiders or fans or ourselves or what we've learned on what to expect as artists in the industry pre-pandemic and has that changed during the pandemic? Have we got a lot more power? So to begin with, I would say, yeah, it's different from everyone has a different place on their, their ideas of the music industry, but I've always felt ideas on the music industry, whether we be people who've got uh, degrees and business training in music business, or laymen who just like watching, you know, um, talent shows and artists and things like that. We all have assumptions and presumptions and expectations, but they always seem, rather than, they seem ideals and unrealistic. Um, so I've got a few bullet points here. The first one is gatekeepers. So there is this idea, it's the only industry on earth that I can think of where it relies heavily on gatekeepers. There's not really our ideals and our expectations and even what we look up to to the music industry, it heavily, heavily relies on gatekeepers. Now if you look at perhaps um one end of the spectrum, the very public end of the spectrum, gatekeepers could be reality shows. There's a big expectation, even for me as a classical artist, I have a lot of people, um, you know, if you say you're a musician, have you ever thought of going on Britain's Got Talent? This idea that you need a gatekeeper in this industry, um, and it's nothing I've ever particularly wanted to do, but if you take away from that, um, there's a big expectation from a lot of artists to want to get a record contract or a manager or an agent. That's very popular in the pop industry, but also in classical. This idea that we need these gatekeepers. So whatever our level of understanding of the music, music industry, the one understanding that we all have is gatekeepers. I'm just going to take a sip of my peppermint tea here. But if you take away from that, and I've always been someone who's not a big fan of the gatekeepers. I, I've done some music competitions, I, I have, but I've still entered into, even if I've stayed away from gatekeepers as much as possible. For instance, the gatekeepers of 
my degree course at a conservatoire, I had to audition and get into that. Every youth orchestra I've ever been into, I've had to audition. Every festival I've played at, every music society, every job I've ever done relies not on my talent or my my ingenuity as a business person or what I've actually achieved. It relies on gatekeepers and how I present myself to those gatekeepers and whether they think I'm good enough to get into that. So these gatekeepers do exist in our whether there is a presumption assumption and expectation and even if you steer clear of all the sort of reality tv and stuff the music industry it is expected and almost wanted it's like a badge of honor if you've got through this next gatekeeper and this next gatekeeper so that's pre-pandemic um also there is a s- assumption less so in the classical music world um that fame equals success now, the reason it's less in the classical music world is because um, most classical artists aren't famous. In fact, the most, in quotation, famous artists we have in classical music aren't really famous in the modern sense of the term. So, violinist, the most, quotation, famous uh, violinist I can think of off the top of my head, Nigel Kennedy. I don't think, I've never seen a pap- paparazzi picture of him. I don't think people care where he lives. I don't think he's never been in magazines unless it's like a classical music like interview of him. Andre Rio, most of you have heard of him. Again, not many pap pictures. Um, pianist, Lang Lang, not a lot of papping of him. You know, it's so classical music, there's not so much of this fame equals success. So it is kind of shocking when people talk about that you're going to be famous you're going it's like that's not that's never that scared me a little bit because I've always been in a career where I presume you know that sounds fearful is a career without that level of fame but still notoriety or or being well known is still considered success you know known in your field is still considered success in classical music but yeah, I've always challenged that belief of fame equals success or fame equals happiness because I don't think there's much evidence supporting it. And so I've, I've the real idea, the, the pure idea of fame, um, I find it quite a scary thing. I don't know many actual famous people who enjoy being famous. And, but here's, here's the thing. So if you ask people, why would I want to be famous? And they're like, well, because then you'll be rich. And it's like, well, not everyone famous is rich, number one. But why would being rich make you happy? But here's the thing about fame that I've always thought. So if you look at a reality show, for example. I don't know how about hundreds of thousands of people audition for around like the next X Factor or whatever. Most of those don't even make it to the first round of audition in front of the judges. Many of them are upset. Um and despondent and they're probably the lucky ones so then from the first round of it and often getting to the first round it's not talent based it's it's on how much you can be exploited how much you can give for the camera so whether you're someone to be laughed at so whether you're someone to be pitied whether you're someone to be loved whether you're a good singer but you need or a bad singer you could be used for both but it's how much you your exploitability is in you you know the the way to get in front of the first round of the judges is literally uh, it's like a cattle market or or a meat market and you know deciding how much is that rump of meat will that feed the family for the week um how much exploitation can they take out of you 
And then from there, if they get through to the first round, if they work their way through, again, it's a level of exploitation. Each round, you will be exploited more and more. More of your family issues will come out. You will sometimes be encouraged to bring up more family issues that maybe weren't even there. You're encouraged and encouraged and encouraged to completely hold nothing back and give everything over for public consumption. At this stage, by the way, you haven't earned anything and you probably have lost your job because you're on, you're not working at the moment, you're on the reality TV show for free. Then, if you make it all the way through, if you're lucky enough, at this stage you probably will be famous, but you're definitely not rich. If you're lucky enough out of the hundreds of thousands that auditioned at the beginning to make it through and then win the reality show, you get a record contract. And then from that record contract, it's a high chance you will never see a profit from it. You'll be exploited more and more and more and eventually dropped. How many people from reality shows, winners, actually have a vibrant career afterwards compared to the ones that don't? So if you look at the success rate, take away the word fame, the success rate of chasing fame like how many people actually have a career from that chase of fame, a decent wage and a good career, it's a very, very, very low percentage. And then out of those people, how many of them enjoy their life and are truly happy and have control over their life, control over their careers, have a say in what they do? Bearing in mind, they are the business. It's very few. So I don't like those percentages and those numbers. So I don't think... And then what are you chasing at the end? If you're chasing fame? But when... when I always ask people about the fame game. And when I bring these scenarios... Like, so when does the happiness start? So I'm not really... I mean, I'm not anti-fame. But I'd rather not... If, if it was an accident of my career that I did become famous... I'd try and handle it in the best way. But it's not what I'm chasing... But then we come to the next thing, which is a presumption, assumption or expectation. Many artists believe they need a manager or an agent for success. Um, this is someone who controls your complete life. And then for the privilege of that, they will take 15% of anything you earn. But having an agent before myself, they literally control your work and you do not have a say in what you do or don't do. And that sounds really odd. You are the business. You know, it is you, it's your business. You're the owner, you're the CEO of this business. But it's the only business on earth where a manager you hire controls you. So I'm not into that. I believe in owning everything yourself, being in control of everything yourself and literally outsourcing the tasks that become too much, whether it's a social media manager, maybe someone to do the daily managing of your business, but maybe call it a different name. They're not your manager, they are your office manager or, <laughs> you know, or hire a lawyer for, to do the contracts. It would work out cheaper and you have complete control. So I see nothing wrong delegating, but this idea that you have to lose complete control of your life to, it seems like, it seems like chasing fool's gold. This idea of fame, this idea of getting a manager, this idea of getting rid of all your autonomy to someone else and that will give you happiness. I don't see, I can't see where the happiness is. So far it seems very, so far it seems very 
hashtag free Britney. You know, I'm not seeing the happiness. Um, and then pre-pandemic, it was, there's also this belief of either rich, international, famous celebrity or poor, penniless, starving artist. And that's really a weird business mind to go into. Like, no one ever, like, portrays entrepreneurial musicians, you know, just like... And I've met... I'm lucky enough in my career, actually, my teacher at Trinity was very entrepreneurial, um, had a very good way of life and decent living. Um, very good. Very good. <laughs> but he was not a celebrity. It's just, you know, like, business management, knowing your business skills and, you know, financial management. So I, there is that myth, and, and I think many artists uh, have fallen into that pre-pandemic. And then this idea of luck and lottery and being picked and plucked out, and I feel something almost pathological about it. Like us non-musicians and non-artists can kind of, th that belief that artists are picked from obscurity and they're special, it's to remove all autonomy from it it's it's kind of like they are better than us don't try to be them if you're picked you're picked if not go work in the factory and <laughs> and artists believe that a lot but where is the autonomy this is the music business so why don't we take some control of our lives i say now in retrospect and not leave it to chance and luck and people picking us from obscurity and we're not children we're fully grown adults and we should take some control over our life so in retrospect they are the kind of presumptions assumptions and expectations of the music industry that we all have to a certain degree no matter where we come from no matter what it changes a bit depending on genre it changes whether you are an artist or just a layman who loves music but those expectations and if you think i'm laughing at you for having those I'm agreeing. I had a lot of these different things as well in different degrees, but this is talking in retrospect now. And now I'm looking into did the pandemic give musicians the power to control their narrative? But then the pandemic hit and everything shifted and that was supposed to be bad but really I've seen a lot of good in the music industry from it so let's find out what that was so if we look at all these presumptions assumptions and expectations of the music industry and how they changed due to the pandemic the very first thing to be removed was the gatekeepers which was scary because we all got used to our industry we all knew the gatekeepers how do you continue to work in an industry without gatekeepers or any events to work at but once the gatekeepers were removed and once it became clear that the platforms and the performances were different, in fact, the playing field was leveled. And what I found was a new even playing field where it involved hard work, graft, business sense and striving. And the ones who have come out triumphant from this whole experience, especially the live streaming performance things, are truly ones that have persevered 
have talent and are very, very strong-minded. Um, why is that important? As we, the world opens up and perhaps the gatekeepers come back to us, I feel the artists who have learnt new skills of negotiation, new skills of um, engaging an audience, we can bring that into the real world again with, um, with a new sense of pride and self-respect where we can negotiate contracts that work very well for us. The fame success thing, I feel, is still very prevalent. I get people a lot of time like, you're going to be famous. So that hasn't changed much at all. But I think it made it for artists less important through the pandemic. Um, the management agent thing, really they haven't had much to do in the pandemic. In fact, you do not need a manager agent to continue working in the pandemic if anything they were a burden because you have to run everything by the manager agent the people who were independent were able to go out and work where you didn't have to run it past your agent for a second um guess and you do not have to give them 15 percent of your income so that was proved us very very well um the rich or poor thing the all or nothing you have a huge that's really changed for artists in the pandemic because as they began finding new revenue streams they realized that you could analyze data we learned to analyze data to look at graphs to look at revenue streams to learn about passive all the stuff i've spoken about on this podcast from passive to active incomes to how to promote how to um, invoice a lot more, all this sort of stuff taught us the business skills that we really, really need to grow. Because really, our online businesses, we were growing them from zero in March and grow, having to grow them very quickly in order to pay our bills. And so I think that sense of achievement after a year has really taught us that we should start looking at the music industry more like any other industry, whether it's the beauty industry, whether it's the fashion industry, whether it's the car industry, um, anything like that. We should start looking at growth of business as opposed to sitting around and waiting for someone to pick us and we'll have a manager who sorts it all out. We can take it upon ourselves. We can take the responsibility ourselves and grow our own business and be proud of that and not be ashamed like oh, I need you know I need someone to do everything for me we can be extremely proud of that and that is something that the pandemic has given uh, musicians the confidence in that the self-respect in that and the power to change our own narrative the one thing I would say about doing um or taking control of everything yourself means that you are completely responsible. You know, with responsibility, with power comes great responsibility. So we are responsible for making sure those people pay on time, making sure that we get the exact percentage that was said. All those sort of things. It's a lot of responsibility. But also, as we're learning this, we can eventually hire other people to do this aspects of our work for us. And then finally, this luck lottery thing. We've learned very much online. There's nothing to do with luck, nothing to do with lottery. There's a lot of really great, really talented artists who have not done so well with their live streaming concerts. And it's mainly because they did not put the work into them and treat them with respect. 
firmly believe after you there's no such thing. I mean, there's aspects of luck. I think I was lucky to get picked for the Stagey Awards, but really being picked for the Stagey Awards did not change my life. I think it's lucky to have a, you know, a video go viral once in a while on Instagram. That's lucky. But really, these aspects of luck do not change my world. You know, I'm not going, you know, ah, my Instagram video went viral, so now, like, I own a yacht. That's not the case. It just, those aspects of luck help you a little bit in business, minutely help you. But the real thing is the day-to-day drudgery and the plodding on and enjoying the business side of things. So I, in retrospect, did the pandemic give musicians the power to control our own narrative? They did, as long as we embraced it, we heeded the lessons and we appreciated it from what we it was. Instead of wishing for something different, the people who could really accept reality for what it was, embrace it and learn valuable lessons, then I think we really did gain something from it. And for any artists who pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, during the pandemic feel frustrated with their career, I would really, really encourage you to take control of the narrative, to set yourself goals and then make logical and achievable plans to reach those goals. Make yourself lofty goals. Make any goal you want in the world. But then make small achievable steps that will get you towards that goal. And that is how you succeed. And you do not need gatekeepers. And you do not need fame. And you do not need manager. Unless your goal is fame, then you probably will need that. But do you? Ask yourself, do I need that? What do I want in life? And how do I achieve it? And ask yourself, do you really want it? Or is it just because you think and you've been told you want it? And that is my retrospect on taking control of the narrative throughout this pandemic. Hopefully you enjoyed my podcast. Feel free to email me, assistant at hannahwoman.online. You can also leave a message through Anchor FM where I do my podcasts. And please feel free to follow my podcast. If you follow this account on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, then you'll be notified each week when my podcast comes out. Thank you for tuning in once again to the Rosin Diaries by myself, Hannah Warmer. This is season three of the Rosin Diaries. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for your support. And if you would like to support me further, you can always go to my PayPal, Hannah Warmer. You can see that on the link on Spotify, I'm sure, and everywhere else. And feel free to support me that way. See you next week.